It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oklahoma City Thunder fall to the Utah Jazz. Not all rebounds are created equally. Plus, SGA is unguardable. And is Josh Giddy unplayable? You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and beat writer for InsideTheThunder.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into the Thunder's loss to the Utah Jazz. J-Dub returns and packs a punch. Chet Holmgren was aggressive. SGA was unguardable. And not all rebounds are created equally. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Game Time. Go download that Game Time app, create your account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. So this game against Utah, you know, the Thunder, of course, on the heels of a two overtime game on Sunday against Toronto. They come into this game pretty banged up. A very long injury report of a lot of questionable players who ended up playing. And, you know, still feeling the impacts of that January stretch. The altitude's a big deal. You're looking ahead to three straight off days, which is extremely rare. And no Isaiah Joe is really going to, of course, hurt the rotation anytime that he is out and he missed this game again. But ultimately, this was a fun game between two young teams who just kept fighting. The crowd was just rocking in Utah, and there was a lot of tough shot making on display, especially down the stretch from Laurie Marketing, from uh, Keontae George. The, the Jazz just kept hitting big shots after big shots, e- even hitting shots where they're on the ground. They're, they're so heavily contested, uh, and they were able to go in and get a win. This was a fun game. Like, just as a from a basketball standpoint, there's no denying that a, a 124 to 117 game uh, that, that featured some comebacks, that featured some tough shot making is a very fun one. And at the end of the day, some, some team had to lose and whoever lost would not be feeling great afterward. One thing for the Thunder has been their consistency of getting out rebounded. And this game was no different. They were out rebounded 48 to 32, which led them to letting up 19 second chance points. However, you know, not all rebounds are created equally. This was not just a size problem. It was an effort problem. They lacked getting bodies on guys. They had multiple possessions where they're just standing there watching a long carom go to the Jazz and even a couple rebounds where the Jazz got it on the floor, which by no means is size and just, uh, you know, being able to capitalize on the lack of energy or effort from the Thunder at times. Now, Whenever you look at that, it sounds as though it's rebounding excuse making, but it's actually a deeper level into the rebounding problems because for the Thunder to make up for their lack of rebounding, they have to have all out maximum effort 82 times a year 
for 48 minutes. They cannot afford to give away those gimme rebounds or else it will cost them in the end. And that is pretty unrealistic to expect a team to play perfectly. But if you can get close enough to perfect, along with the ways that the Thunder are able to create advantages by being small, they create them by causing chaos defensively, jumping the passing lanes and forcing turnovers that they are able to do as a switchable defense because of how small they play. But you have to play near perfect on the glass every single game in order for that to work. So that's where grabbing a rebounder with size tomorrow at the deadline wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It still would not you know, change the complexity of the rotation or how the team is built or, or what the team is, is founded upon, but it would allow you to at least have an option to go to, a curveball to go to. But still, no matter what they do tomorrow, it's going to take, it's not going to change the philosophy, so it's going to take that demand of effort and that demand of not giving away the gimme rebounds because there are going to be some rebounds in the course of these 48 that the Thunder just had no chance of. They, they were just they were just outsized, outmanned, outmatched on, on some of those rebounds that whenever you do get the chance for gimme rebounds, you can't also lose those. And I think that that's more so what the what the rebounding conversation uh, can look like besides just, oh, go get someone who's tall. The fact that you don't have a, a true traditional rebounder is forcing you to, to play perfect, and that's just not uh, realistic in some games like this. And still, uh, they used those advantages to create 17 turnovers, which helped them get some of those opportunities back and help them be in this game and, and at one point have a 12-point lead in this game. So they're going to be built upon this same philosophy, but it's going to be really tough to, to see how um, they can they can have that energy level in the postseason game in and game out, which is going to get a little bit easier because of how spaced out series are in the grand scheme of things. For a sport where you're used to playing pretty much every other day, in the postseason, whenever you, whenever you do for sure have an off day, you have zero back-to-backs, and, uh, and sometimes you have a couple days in there for travel. It, it can be a lot easier to to focus in and, and play hard for 48 minutes, of course, with what's on the line as well. So it's interesting. I think that the rebounding thing uh, is a conversation, no doubt, after this game, but it's not as simple or or as surface level as just going and getting a bigger body. Uh, but we'll see how the Thunder handle uh, the deadline coming up. We're going to have an entire trade deadline preview on tomorrow's show, bright and early uh, by midnight on uh, Thursday to discuss all what will happen at the deadline. And then whenever the trade deadline is over, uh, we'll have a trade deadline recap with what happened, who won, who lost, and the fallout from that. But Oklahoma City in this game forced 17 turnovers. They only gave it away 11 times. However, Utah dominates points in the paint, which the Thunder typically win. Utah won it 60-35, to and they won fast break points. And, and that's not even the concern, even though the Thunder do typically win fast break points. The concern was that there was only nine fast break points to five. Like that, there was not a ton to go around. And then you mix in the Lori marketing, just incredible shot making. Keontae George making incredible shots. And you had nine lead changes, seven ties. The Thunder blew a 12 point lead. Utah grew an eight point lead in this back and forth game. And they're able to come away with a victory. The Thunder shot 47, 51, 66. They've got to hit their free throws. The free throws are going to kill any team anytime that you miss them. So, when you look back on this game, it's going to be some of those effort rebounds that got away. It's going to be free throws that got away, which typically the Thunder hit at a high clip. And then that's how you lose a close game like this on the road. Meanwhile, Utah shot 51% from the floor, 40% from three, and 90% at the charity stripe. 
So I don't think that there's anything really to um, change your opinion on the Thunder or change your opinion on what they're they're looking like. This was just a good basketball game. And sometimes you lose good basketball games and, and there's nothing to reinvent the wheel about. There's nothing to uh, write home about in the grand scheme of things. Now, individually, you can get into Josh Giddy playing 26 minutes, which we're going to, you can get into how good SGA uh, played, which we're going to, and so on and so forth. So we're going to do that. Is Josh Giddy unplayable? What did it look like today against Utah and more coming up? But first I want to say right now, but good friends over at E bay motors check them out today at ebay motors because they're awesome they are what you want to get into because they have the passion the drive the patience and it's going to help you bring home that winning trophy uh and make sure that you keep your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything that you want to maintain your vehicle and make sure it's in peak performance from superchargers to roof racks to exhaust kits to led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors as you covered with over 122 million parts to choose from your number one ride or die, you'll be able to find exactly what you're looking for at eBay's guaranteed fit your guaranteed part uh, to fit your guaranteed ride. It'll make sure it fits every single time, every uh, time you, or you get your money back with the eBay motors guaranteed fit. You're going to be running rubber, not cash. Check it out today uh, with all the parts to choose from. It'll be easy to make sure that you get your MVP uh, and your perfect fit for your ride. So keep your ride or die alive at eBay Motors. eBay Motors uh, with the guaranteed fit is only available in US uh, for the US customers. Eligible items only and exclusions to apply, but it's eBay Motors guaranteed to fit your ride. Also want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Price Picks. Check out Price Picks today at pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA. It's demon time on prize picks. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into 1000 Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. You can make sure that you go there right now. And squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. You can win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. Go there right now because you can uh, check them out and play this new Demons and Goblins game. What, what Price Picks is, is daily fantasy sports made easy. You just pick two to six players, and you just put in, will they have more or less than their prize pick projections? So you're not playing against other players or fantasy sharks. You're just playing uh, against the prize pick projections. And so if you want to focus on the NBA, then boom, you're able to highlight the fact that uh, you think that you know Chet Holmgren will have more than one and a half blocks on Saturday against the Mavericks or on Sunday against the Kings. You can go check that out as well, and you can even do Super Bowl, NBA, college basketball. Everything out there is on Prize Picks, so it has quick withdrawals and uh, a ton to choose from. And what what you're going to love about Prize Picks is that it's so simple to play. You can make an entry in less than 60 seconds, and with that fast withdrawal, it really helps you have some fun. Check it out today at prizepickscom slash LockedOnNBA. That's prizepickscom slash LockedOnNBA for the first deposit match up to $100. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Let's keep on keeping on with Josh Giddy against the Utah Jazz. Look, the bottom line is like Josh Giddy was not playable against Utah. That's why he only played 26 minutes while the rest of the starters played 30 or more. 
Uh, and, and that's you know normal to see happen in the NBA. It's going to be tough to play Josh Giddy against teams like Utah, against teams like Boston, against teams like Minnesota, or any other team that has a top-notch shot blocker, blocker like Walker Kessler is, uh, and the way that, that the Utah can can put dueling bigs out there pretty much the entire game. Like if those you know, at times three bigs, you know, Utah and, and these teams who can force you to uh, not be able to drive into that space and not score at the rim is only going to hurt Josh Giddy and hurt the Thunder overall. You look at Josh Giddy, you know, he he was able to go two for four from three, which is 50%. But again, defensively, would you trade six points to be able to crowd the paint and make everyone else on the floor worse? Would you give away two giddy threes to make everyone else worse and make life harder on them to finish at the rim for a team that is designed to be scoring in the paint, which is why they're one of the top paint scorers in the NBA, despite not having uh, you know, a, a huge you know presence down there in the traditional sense. So, you know, it, it's not even a, a simple case of like a Josh Giddy exclusive problem versus a way that the defense is able to, to guard you. And the thing is, like, if you gave Josh Giddy seven, eight, nine, ten threes, he wouldn't be shooting 50%. So, so there's no real answer other than not playing him to force defenses to adjust because, you know, the 50% on four attempts, that's great. And, and that is an improvement. And Josh Giddy has gotten better, more confident shooting the ball. That can all be true, while also not being true enough to change the way that defenses view them. And you know, you see it happen with other players too. I mean, look at Jay Will last year. Jay Will shot forty percent the entire season last year, and defenses still didn't go out there and guard him because he he only shot you know three so times a game. And you know, you you shoot forty percent on three shots, they're gonna live with that for the, for the benefit of getting to defend how they want to defend. You've got to command. That they come out and guard you, and the, fra- the, the the fact of the matter is, Josh Giddy cannot because there, there, there's a larger sample size of him not being able to shoot than there is, and the sample size of him being able to shoot is so limited and so small in terms of attempts and also in terms of games that it doesn't really move the needle for you. Even this season, he's still shooting below average from three, and, and there's just going to be matchups like this. There's gonna be, there's matchups like this for nearly every player where like they're not they're not uh, as good against certain kind of teams or certain matchups or certain defensive coverages. And for Josh Giddy, he's not as good against teams who have a premier shot blocker who can not only play off of him, but punish him if he tries to go inside the arc and, and in turn uh, hurt the entire roster as they go inside the arc. And against teams like Toronto, who don't have as good of a shot blocker and don't have as imposing of a threat down there, he's able to play really well and, and thrive really well against Toronto and against Portland, and against these teams where he's been able to, to have success. So he plays 26 minutes, 8 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, a block, 3 for 8 shooting, 2 for 4 from 3, and a minus 5 in this game. Uh, you know, of course, it is not exactly all on Josh Giddy, and I think that he'd play even less than 26 minutes had, had Isaiah Joe been available uh, in this game. But there's just going to be games like this, and, and there's going to be games like this a lot in the postseason too, whenever the game is more of a half-court style and you're going to be able to uh, match up and and scout and game plan and and do things externally as a team versus internally. You know, even Mark talked about how right now for the Thunder, like ninety percent of the stuff that they do in preparation for games is about what they're what it was about themselves, right? It's about looking internally at how to fix themselves versus how to specifically uh, design a matchup to to beat the opponent that night. Uh, and that's the case for every team in the NBA. Of course, you're still going to focus on the opponent. You're still going to figure out what works and what doesn't and, and try to take them away. But you also, in the course of this journey, have to focus on yourself and, and figure out how you can get better. 
And one way the Thunder have been able to get better in these matchups has been taking Giddy out of situations that don't benefit him or benefit the team either. And that was a big test. I mean, Dallas would be a big test again because they have Derek Lively who can block shots. Uh, but you can look at Josh Giddy, and it can both be true that he's a he's a good player as an individual, but within this construct at times, he's not a good player because of the surrounding situation of how defenses are guarding him and what his role is on this team. And I, I think that the, this is where it ends, is that the Thunder will not be able to play him against teams that have elite shot blockers. In important games, in important, important stretches of games, he will not be able to play against top-tier presence at the rim, which is going to be what you run into a lot in the postseason. And so you take that for what it's worth. Now, SGA, on the other hand, I don't know how you stop SGA because he gets to his spots so well and so relentlessly. He's also unbelievably comfortable off balance. Like, look at how many shots he hits that are just these circus, theatric, off-balance shots that don't phase him at all. And then, even whenever you have Laurie Market and Walker Kessler and all these big bodies down there, he can score at the rim with his at the rim with his unique blend of of craftiness with the added strength to just simply get the ball up from his gather all the way to the rim. In the last 19 games, SGA is shooting 40% from three, which is on over three attempts per game. He can score at all three levels because we know what he can do in the mid-range. We know he's an elite shooter and scorer at the rim. And now with this 19-game sample size of him being a 40-plus point, a 40-plus percent shooter from three, it just unlocks so much more from him, which is why he is kind of one of the leaders in the uh, MVP conversation. And I think he's the, the leader in the MVP conversation. The real only way to take away SGA is, is similar to what Toronto did, which is very hard to do. Toronto played aggressive basketball without fouling. And not just they didn't get the whistle called on them, but a lot of those possessions were not fouls, like which we talked about against the against the uh, Raptors recap uh, earlier this week. A lot of those possessions were not fouls, period. Uh, and, and so that's hard to do, though. That is that is almost impossible to do night in and night out. But even when you do that, his improved playmaking and ability to pick apart the advantage that you give him by double-teaming him leads to a career-high 14, 14 assists and a win on, and a win on Sunday, uh, even down you know, two of his better rotational pieces around him in J-Dub and Isaiah Joe in that game. So it, he just becomes one of those unguardable players in the NBA. 28 points, four rebounds, seven assists, a steal, a block, two for three from three, 50% from the floor for SGA. Also going to talk about J-Dub, who returned to this game. 26 points, five rebounds, five assists, a steal, three for six from three, 55% from the floor, a couple big step backs, a massive coast-to-coast slam, and some really good defense. He brought the energy. He brought the intensity in this game, which the Thunder needed uh, in those three that he missed. Uh, Just a massive fourth quarter from him. He has a knack for making winning plays late when it matters. And I think that J-Dub showed you exactly his value, both whenever he was out uh, and the Thunder did lack a scoring threat with a secondary unit at times, and now, whenever he returns, and you see, even you know, independent of the rest of the roster in terms of their production, just looking at him being that vocal leader, that energy, uh, emotional leader for this team, you can see where they really, really missed that uh, in previous games. And they still were able to manage those games incredibly well. I mean, to to to, to miss him and get three wins without J Dub, no matter who you play. I know one of them was Charlotte, and one of them was Toronto, but still. That is very, very good for this Thunder team 
uh, to manage even whenever you get hit with some rough injury luck because the Thunder have been one of the you know healthiest and best injury luck teams in the NBA. And they've the injuries that they have hit, you know, Joe and, and J-Dub, they've gotten, you know, three wins without J-Dub and they've, and they've only had a loss now without Isaiah Joe against Utah, which I think that Isaiah Joe, you know, would have turned the tide. Now that's, that's just based upon his ability to, to create a spark on defense, his ability to soar into rebounds, which we've kept track of all year long. And then also of course there's three point shooting. So, you know, there's a, there's a whatever percent shot that he's on or off from beyond the arc uh, against Utah. But if he was on from beyond the arc against Utah, then you'd be really talking and really cooking with Isaiah Joe turning the tide in this game, but he did not play. What's good for Isaiah Joe is that, you know, the Thunder are going to be off all the way till Saturday afternoon in Dallas. So that can hopefully help him be on the mend and help get him back into the fold. We'll talk more about this game against Utah, plus the deadline coming up uh, on today's show. But first, I want to say right now, about good friends over at game time, go check out game time today because they're going to be one of the best options for you. The game time is where you need to go right now. You want to know why? Because you're looking for tickets to the big game, whether that is the big game in Vegas, whether that is the big game in Dallas on Saturday, whether that's the big game in Oklahoma city on Sunday, you're going to want to get tickets to these massive events. And you shouldn't have to worry uh, about where or how or when to buy your tickets to the next game. Game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. You can uh, get their killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and the best prices guaranteed at game time. Uh, And you can really take the guesswork out of buying your tickets. I I think that the best possible use for game time in my experience has been looking around the NBA and you can really see how you can implement this into your, into your daily life as an NBA fan. How many times in, in, in the past have you been around Oklahoma city, wanted to go to the thunder game, but Oh, Shea's questionable. LeBron's questionable. AD's questionable. Are they going to play? Do I want to go to this game if they're not going to play? You can wait until it's official if they will or won't play and then purchase your last minute tickets uh, lowest prices guaranteed at game time. So check them out today at game time because sometimes uh, you know you just don't want to deal with the stress of, of, of ticket purchasing, and they take that stress away at game time. They have the deals right for you, uh, even up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. At times, that's that's where you can find the best places uh, to find the last minute seats at game time. So go download the game time app, create your account, use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Again, create your account. Redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off your first purchase. Go download the GameTime app for last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Chet Holmgren was awesome against the Utah Jazz. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 
three assists, three steals, four blocks, four for six from three, 61% from the floor. He is the first rookie ever to have three games of three plus uh, three pointers made and blocks in a single game. Wow. He was aggressive from the jump tonight. Five rebounds. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. The first five points of the game were his. He took three of the first four shots for the Thunder, and he really made his presence felt defensively in a game where defense was at a premium and stops were at a premium. I mean, anytime that you are giving up 124 points, you know, clearly every stop's going to matter. And so for him to, to annihilate some shots at the rim, for him to deter opportunities and create havoc where it leads to steals and it leads to deflections um, and it leads to loose ball recoveries, like those are massive for Oklahoma City. And Chet was there again, right in the thick of things and helping helping the Thunder stay afloat in this game and, and have a chance to win it down the stretch. Obviously, they came a bit, sh- a bit short. Uh, Usman Jang looked much more confident, and we've seen him develop at such a high rate in the G League. And I've been talking about his G League development, and it's not been seen at the NBA level yet. Uh, but he's really improved defensively in the G League. He's really improved as a rim finisher in the G League, as a more aggressive player and playing with more offensive force in the G League, a career high in dunks, uh, you know, top-of-the-line rims finishing numbers, right now in the G League, and then just overall more confident, assertive player in the G. That's not been the case uh, in the NBA so far until Utah, where he looked much more you know, assertive and more confident in his game. And so what was more encouraging in all this was that he went two for two from three, despite shooting poorly in the G League. So think about it this way. you know, Shooting 28% in the G League is not going to give you a ton of confidence, obviously. But and especially whenever you can, you know, you know, factor in that that is his swing skill, and that's what's going to be sort of a defining, a defining stat for him. Frankly, is the catch and shoot numbers, which are not good in the G League right now. That'll be a defining stat for him in terms of his NBA career, at least in Oklahoma City. Uh, and and it's easy whenever things aren't going right to get down, but his work is relentless. I mean, you, you watch him pregame warming up and 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 all that he does to try to get better at catch and shoot opportunities and watching him in the G league, watching him in the NBA, he puts the work in he's developed and gotten better. And to have the confidence to just take those shots without a hitch, without a hesitation, it worked out. He went three for three from the floor, two for two from three. And you see it, you know, with other players, whenever, whenever you hesitate and you have the open crease, it just throws everything out of whack. And so you cannot afford to be hesitant if you're on the NBA floor. And, and Usman Jang had been hesitant in the past in this game. He was very good and he played good basketball. He played it on both ends. He was able to mix it up defensively uh, and put his nose in things, which helped him generate in 10 minutes a steal and a block on the defensive end. You, you just cannot discuss how how much better Oos looked. It's only one game. Uh, it's it's not all fixed. There's not victory laps to be had. Uh, but I will say that it's easy to, to look at the success of other players around Usman Jang in that draft class and um, on the Thunder team. And, and compare it to Us, the Thunder have always known from the day that they turned that card in to draft him that Usman Jang was going to be a project and a long-term option. There's a reason why Chet and J-Dub and these guys are an anomaly that have made such a high winning impact already. Because typically these guys don't do that, especially guys who are supposed to be and are comfortable, you know, the organizations are comfortable letting them be developmental projects. And so the Thunder have talked, you know, publicly, privately about how you know excited they are at the rate that he's developed already. Like the Thunder, you know, are kind of viewing Usman as like right where he's supposed to be. Just that's been the messaging at everywhere you turn with Usman Jang, and it's been true 
when you look at the G League, and I know that the G League is not something that most people put the time in to understand, even in the media to understand and, and to be able to explain this, but like Usman Jang is where he needs to be for a second year player who everyone knew was going to take time. He is taking time and it's not as always gone backwards or even close to it. He's always, always, always gone forward. And I think that these moments are big for him to have a game like this at the NBA level. On the flip side, you know, Kenrich Williams had 13 minutes and didn't really have a lot of production on either end. You know, at, at times with Kenrich Williams, he looks like an old 29 year old. Like that's similar, similar to what you would always say about Steven Adams, where like Steven Adams, you know, people, people still to this day, whenever they, whenever his birthday comes around, say, Oh, he's only, he's only X old, right? Because he's, he, he looks so much older and he looks like he's laboring at times uh, on the floor and he just looks beat up at times. And that's what Kenrich has looked like, looked like a little bit in recent stretches. Uh, and that takes a toll on the rotation, takes a toll on um, what the Thunder try to do when playing small. And so again, it goes back to, the way this roster is constructed, you, know, you need Kinnerich to always be on uh, w- to, to, to make this rotation go around. And in the 13 minutes, he was not on in this game, and it really uh, had a bad consequence in some of those stretches. So we'll see what happens on Thursday. I think that Kinnerich overall, though, is a vital, vital, vital part to this Thunder roster and to what they want to do with the makeup of their team. But it was a, it was a fun game, though. Like Taking away trying to get into the weeds of everything – and just looking at it from a 48-minute basketball game, it was a really entertaining game to watch and a really um, you know, fun atmosphere that, that appeared on television uh, and just two young teams that were going at it relentlessly. But we're going to have a jam-packed week for you. Thursday, which is going to come up right before you know it, the trade deadline preview. So you can enjoy that while you scroll for more uh, morsels of rumors and deals. Friday. Trade deadline fallout recap. Sunday, Mavs recap. Monday, Kings recap. Tuesday, mailbag show. Wednesday, magic recap. Thursday, stock watch as we enter all-star break. Friday, grading every player's first half of the season from playoff rotations that the Thunder should look at and what to watch in the second half of the season. We've got it all for you here every single day. Subscribe across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.